Thank you, Miss Christie. Well, good morning. Oh, once more with feeling. Good morning. Good morning. That's a little better. That's a little better. Um, well, uh, so Miss Christie said that I uh, love Georgia, and I do love Georgia. How about them dogs? Um, just so you know, Mr. Bennett, you know, the quarterback, I don't know, you may not follow football. I do. Mr. Bennett, you know, that's, that's my mom's, uh, my grandmother's, my, on my mom's side, that's her maiden name, Bennett. And he's from the same area that she is, way down south Georgia, so it's possible it's possible I could play some ball. I need, it's possible I could be good at ball. Miss Christie asked me, she said, you ever, did you, did you, uh, were you born in Georgia? And I said, you know what, actually I wasn't. And she said, where were you born? And I said, I'm really embarrassed to say it was Detroit, Michigan. I'm like, I know, I know. I only lived there a year. I had nothing to do with it, nothing to do with it. All right. Well, um, I want to uh, talk to you today about the final days of anything. Okay, so like if it's the final days of a shoe sale, okay, Th those would be, that's like the best days, right? I mean, the final days of a sale, everything's marked down more, things are starting to go fast. The final days of a vacation, don't you want to try to, and it's like, that you get to the end, you want to enjoy it faster because you know you're running out of time. I don't know how do you enjoy it faster, but that's what you want to do. Uh, or the final days of time together with loved ones. You know, and you know my folks live down this way, and you know, and we live away. So the last day or so, you're trying to enjoy it the best you can. Um, or even in life, when you know when you know somebody's going to pass, the final days are they're the most important, seemingly. They're the most critical. That's when you, you really listen more to everything they're saying. So the final days of anything is the most critical. And, so, um, and we tend to pay close attention to what's most important in those final days, don't we? That, that's what we tend to do, the final days. That's when we, we pay more attention, we pay better attention in the final days. And... Um, and so I want us to look in Scripture, and how many of you believe that we're in the final days, the last days? Okay, well, we, we, and we know we are. Um, so I want us to look in Scripture and see what appears to be really important in the final days. And, um, and I think we'll find something interesting, but what's really important in the final days, okay, so now I'm just going to, I started to say apologize up front. I, I should not apologize for reading a bunch of scripture, but I'm just going to tell you right up front, I'm just going to read a bunch of scripture. And so you can find it in your Bible, you can uh, turn to it if you want, or just write down the reference. Uh, um, but, and so I, there's so many that I, I typed them out. But first of all, in 1 John, and I always, I love John because he's called the Apostle of Love, and he writes a lot about the last days. And in 1 John chapter 2, he says, Little children, it is the last time. And as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now there are many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. So he says, he's telling them, okay, this is, is the final days. We are in the last times. And, and so, I mean, you may say, wow, well, he lived like 2,000 year, years ago. Was that the last time? Yeah, it was because at that point, um, by this point, the Lord could, everything that really would take place that the Lord could have come back. And so if he was in the last time, we're in the last time. And so he says, it's the last time. And so here's what he talks. So that was 1 John 2, 18. First John 2.10, just uh, eight verses before that, here's what he's talking about. He says, He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. And then in First John 3, you can turn to First John 3, chapter 10, and he's, he had just said in the chapter before that it's the last time. He's mentioned that twice in that verse. In First John 3, 
verse 10, he says, In this the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. For this is the message that ye heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, and slew his brother. And wherefore slew he him? Because his own works were evil, and his brother's righteous. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hate you. We know that we have passed from death unto life, because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. And ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. All right? So now I tried to emphasize as I go along, okay, what is really important in the last days? Hopefully you heard it. Turn to First Peter now. Turn to First Peter. And we'll look at uh, chapter 1. We'll start there. And First Peter chapter 1. And then we'll stay in First Peter for a little while. So First Peter chapter 1. And verse uh, 20 and 20 through 22 says, Who verily was foreordained before the foundation, he's talking about the Lord, talking about Jesus, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times. So what's he talking about? The last days, right? So he's, he's same thing John's talking about. He says, was manifest in these last times for you. Who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory, that your faith and hope might be in God, seeing ye have purified your souls and obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned, or not fake, that's what that means, you're not faking it, through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren. See that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. And then go to chapter 4. And verse uh, 7 through 11. And the scripture says, But the end of all things is at hand. So obviously he's talking again about this is the last days. We are at the end times. Uh, but the end of all things that is, is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. And above all things, above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Use hospitality to one another without grudging, as every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth. That God, here's why, in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So I want to ask you a question. Do you see what the Lord emphasizes as important in the last days? Somebody just, okay, class, somebody tell me. Okay, I can only take one hand at a time. <laughs> what, it, what is, say it. Yes, you. Love. I mean, you, did you not hear that over and over again? Love, 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 love. That is really important. And, and then and this ch uh, chapter 4 here, it mentioned charity, which you know is uh, another word for love. And he said that, that's really important in the last days. And he said love among the what? That's right. That's right. So both of them, Peter and John, and Paul talks about it too, some, but talks about how, so we're in the last days, and so they're really stressing, you have to have love, and it's really important to have it among the brethren. You want it in the world, you want it among the brethren. And so we're going to title this lesson, Love at Last. Okay. <laughs> I 
uh, you know, you know, when I was single, you know, and you're looking, you're looking for love, you know, you're trying to find the right one, and then you find love at last. No, that's not the type of love. And that's that's fine. That's a good love. But I'm just saying. That's not what he's talking about. We're talking about love in the last days. And so I want us to look um, and just kind of talk about love, first of all. And obviously, who is love directed towards? Well, it's directed towards others. It's not loving yourself, but love among the brethren. See that you love one another. And so um, and he, in the, he talks about loving the household of faith. Have love, a, a, you know, fervent charity among yourselves. And so, um, so it's not just a, a feel-good, mushy thing. It's something that's really important, and there's a reason it's really important. Um, and so we're to, to direct love towards others. We're to direct love towards the world. That's for sure. Um, uh, otherwise, they would ne never see the love of Christ. And, but we're also to direct love toward the household of faith. And so when are we supposed to do, when are, when are we supposed to do it? Well, what is the time frame that they kept mentioning? When are we supposed to uh, direct love towards one another? In the, in the last days. That means now. Okay? That means now. We're to direct love towards one another. And, and so it's important to, to display love, especially towards the household of faith, but not only towards the household of faith, but people need to see love um, in every, every arena of life. I read a story, and I thought, man, this is... This would be so hard to do, but um, but it's a uh, it's a great picture of love towards others, and so uh, this took place in Aliceville, Alabama. Anybody ever heard of Aliceville, Alabama? Well, I hadn't either. But um, back to, uh, oh, I thought maybe you had your hand up there. You have okay. So do you know the history of Aliceville, Alabama? Back in the nineteen right after World War II, right during World War II. Okay, all right, so this was, and I did not realize this, but um, I guess there were a number of POW camps for German soldiers in America, different cities in America, and Aliceville, Alabama was one of those cities. Did you know that? Uh, did you know that, 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 was a, that they had a POW camp? Well, anyway, they did, and there were a number of cities that did, and so, um, so uh, when they told that it was a small town, and so when they told the town that the, um, they were going to be, you know, bringing those German soldiers in who were prisoners of war, and they were going to take them to this uh, POW camp, they told the citizens to stay off the streets, you know. But they, you know, of course, that lasted all about five minutes, you know, and they didn't. Of course, they were curious, and when they saw those young soldiers uh, being, you know, let off the train or whatever they were. Uh, brought to Aliceville on, they saw just young men who looked beat down and um, afraid, and so so that kind of moved the citizens, but really they were actually before that touched before they ever even saw these young men, because when the young men got into their barracks or whatever, uh, on their bunks was soap and razor and uh, towels folded on every bunk, and then um, they they provided food for them to the point so much corn and you know you're supposed to feed POWs and you know um, uh, take care of their necessities water and all that but these people would bring them ham and they brought them peanut butter and bread and and they brought them so much that the that these POW uh, soldiers <laughs> couldn't eat it all and they would even bury it because they couldn't eat it all and then you know finally that showed up because the corn started growing in the camp you know. <laughs> And then they, um, they would, uh, uh, the, the citizens of the town provided them musical instruments to the point that the PO, these, this POW camp, they started an orchestra and, and uh, just, and they entertained the city and things like that. Well, the rest of the country, people began find, to hear about that. And so uh, General uh, Archer Lurch, he was over the camp and he was actually brought to testify before Congress about how he was treating them and that was wrong. Uh, or, you know, because, I mean, and you can understand, emotions were high in the country, you know, against the Nazis and such. But, um, and so he said, well, you know, the, the, um, the what is it, the Geneva Con 
convention, you know, brought about these rules now after World War One that you have to treat, you know, soldiers such, you know, a certain way, POW a certain way. So okay, they understood. Well, but things, uh, and and he said, and I would do this in hopes that that this is how the Germans would treat our soldier, soldiers. Well. Um, Eventually, they found out how some of our soldiers were being treated in Germany, and um, and of course it was, you know, it was cruel and unusual treatment. And so there were again, uh, General Archer Lurch was brought before Congress and said, "Okay, look, this is not how we're being treated, and you know, and we understand you're having foot races, and then they were they ran foot races, and they'd have ball games for the POWs." And so he was brought before Congress again, and this is what uh, he said. He said, we won't let the enemy decide who we are as a country. We'll continue to treat POW, POWs well, not because they treated our soldiers well, but because we're decent people. And so he said that was his expression of love, not because of how, because of how we're treated, but because it's the right thing to do. And in the last days, it doesn't matter how we're treated. It doesn't matter how we feel about something. It doesn't matter if we think we feel love or we don't feel love. The scripture says, love one another. And especially among the household of faith. So we're to express love to the world, but we're supposed to express love especially among the household of faith. Galatians 6.10, you don't have to turn there, but let me just read it. It's just another, it's just another, another reference to the same thing. He's, the, Paul says, As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men. Okay, just like uh, General Lurch did. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Especially... He said, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. And he says, let's do that as we have opportunity. Now, that word opportunity, you didn't know as a Greek scholar, but that's the word kairos. Now, never mind that you can look that up probably in any dictionary. But here's what that means. Here's what that, mean, that word opportunity means. It doesn't mean like, well, if, if you get a chance... Be nice to people and show them love. That's not what that means. That word opportunity refers to a fixed and a distinct period of time. That's this opportunity, this distinct and a fixed period of time. And so it's not like we have occasional opportunities. It means that as you have opportunity, as you have a period of time in this life, then you do good unto all men, especially under the the household of faith. And so what's your, what is your opportunity? Your opportunity is while you're living in your distinct uh, period of time. That's when you do good. And so it also implies looking for opportunities, okay? Not just happen chance, but you look for an opportunity to do good unto all men, especially those are, who are of the household of faith. And um, and so, and we know that when it comes to the end of our lives, that what really matters to people uh, are not things. We know that what matters to people uh, are people and relationships. I mean, we have, okay, so we have tornadoes that go through Oklahoma all the time. I think we had eight on Monday or whatever day it was. We had, you know, went through, and there was a, uh, I think it was out in uh, Antlers. I can't remember. Anyway, somewhere, I mean, it happens all the time. We just had eight of them go through on Monday, but there was one of the towns, um, maybe it was Elk City, that got hit, and I, there were three, uh, a 60-year-old lady, a 61-year-old lady, and I think like an eight-year-old boy that died. And, um, but all the time on the news, when they go through and they interview people after these tornadoes and their house is just blown away, um, they always, always you hear them say, well, we've lost everything, but... Thank goodness we're all safe. We're all, at least we have each other. So you know when it comes down to it in life, we know that's what matters is people. And, um, and so loving each other, that's what he tells us to do. And as a church, in the, latter, in the last days, what matters is relationships, people. And so how do we strengthen them? Well, one way is by heeding the admonition in First uh, Peter 4, 9. And so look at verse 9 again. So here's what he says. Well, let's go back up to verse 8. 
And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Use hospitality one toward another without grudging. Okay? So, um, so, so I, I just want to say, and we're going to talk about what hospitality is, but he says, you do that, you be hospitable to people. You be hospitable to people, kind, think of their needs, take care of their needs, love them in the last days, and don't do it grudgingly. And so we're to, to direct love to the household of faith. And, and so now here's what, here's, this is something that's taught in the New Testament and in the Old Testament, and it applies to us today in the, in the day and age we're living in. In the New Testament, when it first, you know, when the, when the church was first growing, um, early believers had to open their homes to one another, to, even just to have church. You remember, they didn't, they didn't just have church buildings, boom, immediately. I mean, even if you go start a church today, you don't have a building right away, and so you have to have somewhere to meet. And so in, in the New Testament, they had to meet in homes. And, um, and if there were itinerant preachers or missionaries who went through and they were traveling, guess where they had to stay? In homes. And um, otherwise, it would have been a difficulty for the, for the church to survive. And so, um, so when the jobs of Christians required them to travel, they needed homes to stay in because of the unsuitability even of the inns. Okay, because inns at that time, they weren't like motels today. They were, you know... They were bad places or really expensive. And so people opened up their homes. So that was taught, that was a practice in the New Testament. And in the Old Testament, it was practiced all the time. And it was just, I mean, you know, uh, when Abraham saw the three visitors, uh, actually, I'll, I'll just turn there real quick. I want you to show you kind of maybe what a good picture of hospitality looks like. So turn to uh, Genesis chapter 18, just real quick. And uh, just so you can see it in the Old Testament as well. Um, so uh, Genesis 18, it says, And the Lord appeared unto him, let's talk about Abraham, in verse 1, And the Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre, and he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day, and he lift up his eyes and looked, and lo, three men stood by him. And when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself toward the ground and said, My Lord... If now I have found favor in thy sight, pass not away, I pray thee, from thy servant. Let a little water, I pray you, be fetched, and wash your feet, and rest yourselves under the tree. And I will fetch a morsel of bread, and comfort ye your hearts, after that ye shall pass on. For therefore are ye come to your servant. And they, say, and they said, So do, as thou hast said. And Abraham hastened into the tent unto Sarah and said, Make ready quickly three measures of fine meal. Knead it and make cakes upon the hearth. And Abraham ran into the herd and fetched a calf, tender and good, and gave it to a young man. And he hasted to dress it. And he took butter and milk and the calf which he had dressed and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree and they did eat. So, I mean, there's a, I mean, there's a lot of Old Testament uh, pictures of hospitality. Look, he saw them, and he's like, man, we're going to take care of these people. And, and, he, and you know, I mean, you know the stories in the Old Testament where they said, no, no, don't go. Stay here. Stay here. And, and so everything he did, he did it in a hurry. He ran here, and he said, hey, hurry and make some bread, and hurry and do this. He wanted to, he wanted, that is showing hospitality. That is expressing love. And so, um, and Abraham's uh, or Rebecca, when Abraham's servant went to go look for him a wife, went to go look for Isaac a wife, and the Rebecca, you know, watered the cattle, and then, um, and you, you know, Elijah, the prophet, and the um, the widow of Zarephath would take care of him, and she made, you know, the last bit of oil she had, she made cakes for Elijah, and remember Elisha uh, was always taken care of by the Shunammite woman, and she made a little, remember she made a little room for him, a little table and a lamp and everything. It was, it was something that was always practiced in the Old Testament, and it's something that's taught in the New Testament. And it was, in both Testaments, it was rewarded. I mean, you just think about um, even Rahab. Remember when the spies came to her house, and she took them in, and she fed them, and she hid them. And, man, she was rewarded with her life being saved. And so, um, so it's, it's an important act, and it's something that it, it is a biblical act. 
It's something that's practiced and taught and commanded. Those scriptures that we've been reading, those are written, okay, here you go. They are written in the imperative, right? It, when he says, uh, love one another, that's the, the subject of that sentence is you. You love one another. That's an imperative. That means that's a command. And so in the New Testament, it's commanded. So now here's what, here's what it does not look like. So he said in verse 9, use hospitality one to another without grudging. So it doesn't look like, so Christian hospitality doesn't necessarily look like social entertaining. That could be a part of it, but that's not the only thing that it's talking about. Um, and social entertaining is, is good. Uh, actually, I think it's kind of nowadays almost like a lost art. Um, uh, man, so, so this would be just, this would be my mom's pet peeve. Okay, now, when she was growing up, you put, if you don't do this, that's okay. I'm not slamming you or anything. I'm just telling you how my mom, but she was taught by her mom that you put the knife on the right side and the spoon goes outside to the right and the fork goes on the left and you always provide a spoon. So her pet peeve now is every time she goes in a, <laughs> in a restaurant, she says all the time, now she goes, what's happened to spoons? I think, you know, I think something's going on with spoons. Now, you know, she's... She's a little older now, and she's like, something's going on with these spoons. They don't, they don't do spoons anymore. And so, you know, we have kind of laughed at her, but I got to tell you, the last three times we've gone to a restaurant, we haven't had spoons. <laughs> Still, my daughter, I'm like, I think Mama's right. There's something about spoons. Like, you know, and like, you know, the last time I was at a restaurant, I got a cup of coffee. They gave, they gave me a soup spoon for coffee. You know, it's like your mouth is going like, wah, you know, trying to do that. Anyway, so, I mean, there is something about social entertaining that that's, that's a lost art, that actually it's a good thing. And it's, it's good that we know some of those things. I'm glad my mom taught those things to me. Number one, I think it makes your guests know that they're important, that you went to that extent. But that's not just what uh, hospitality is, because entertaining sometimes, sometimes we can twist things and it almost focuses on the host. You know what I mean? The home has to be spotless and the food has to be just right and, and the host has to appear relaxed and everything. Um, I, re I remember reading about a, a mom who was, uh, you know, a family, they were going to invite another family to dinner. And so she was fretting about everything, cleaning and cooking and blah, 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 and just, and she was, oh, let's see, she was doing hospitality with grudging, okay, okay. And so they're, so they sit down to supper, and um, so their little boy is there, and so uh, the, the dad said, well, you know, I don't know the boy, Billy, why don't, why don't you ask the blessing? And Billy said, I don't know what to say, and so... The mom said, um, well, Billy, just talk to the Lord. Just, just talk like Mama does to the Lord when you know, we talk to the Lord. So Billy goes, okay. So he's like, oh, Lord, why did we invite all these people? And so, you know, that's, that's a type of hospitality sometimes we think of, you know, social entertaining. That's not what the scripture is talking about. It's not talking about social entertaining. That sometimes uh, we tend to focus on the host ourselves. But hospitality in the scripture focuses on the guests. I mean, did you see Abraham? I mean, he wanted them to be comfortable. And that's their primary concern. And so he's telling us in these, so I want you to look, verse 9, he says, use hospitality one to another. That, and that is, that is a visible expression of love. Okay, so like I can love people in my church family, but honestly, they may not know it if I don't do, do something visibly to show them that. And I, you know what I mean? I may think nice things about them, but if I don't do some outward action to show that, they're not going to know it. And um, so he says, use hospitality one to another without grudging. And here you go. As, and so somebody say, well, that's just not my deal. You know, I'm just not good at that. I'm just not a whatever. It doesn't matter. Look at what verse 10 says. As every man has received the gift. We all, we all can love one another. We all can be hospitable. That, that's a gift that every man has received. And so he says, as every man has received the gift, even so 
minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So here you go. You've been given the grace of God, and he expressed, he visibly expressed his love to you. And that's a gift he gave you. And he says, you've been given that, so you are a steward of that. And it is your responsibility, my responsibility, to show that to others. And he says, especially they that be of the household of faith. And he says, among yourselves. And he said, to each other. So I want to ask you, and we know we're supposed to love the world. We know that. You know, we're, not, we're supposed to be you know, in the world, show them the love of Christ. But why does he say that so much here in the last? John says it. Paul says it. Peter says it. In the last days. Why does he say among the brethren? Now, there's another scripture that says, in the last days, the love of many shall wax cold. We are living in, and to the point that when you, when you don't have love and that gets cold, then in the world, the world can become even, if there's not love, there will also be lawlessness. And there will be not a love for Christ, not a love for people. And so he says, listen, in the last days, this is what's going to happen. The love of many shall wax cold. As a matter of fact, there's, I'm not going to be able to quote it exactly, um, but uh, it talks about uh, in the last days sometimes where, the, where the, you know, the parent would hate the child, the child hate the parent. You know what? I can't remember. There's some passage. I remember my mom saying, I used to wonder. I didn't get that verse. How could that possibly happen? But the further we go and the more detached we even honestly the more detached we become from each other, the easier it is to just withdraw and not think of others. You realize hospitality, that's what hospitality is all about. It's about others. And so he says in the last days, it's really important that you show hospitality among yourselves, among the brethren. And here's why. Because... We are, living, we are living in the last days. You look at the world. You look at mankind out there. Um, it's just hairy carry. It is helter-skelter. And so if people are just looking around and all of a sudden they step into a place like this and they, they see not just you sitting there listening to the preaching and singing, but they see you engaging with, you, with each other. And they see you, honestly, they see you hug one another, tap each other on the shoulder, smile at each other. They, they hear you say, hey, we're having, we're having a this, 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 get together, you're welcome to come. We were just visiting a church uh, last week. We're visitors. And <laughs> there's a lady walking around the church, and they were having a, a cookout at their house like the next weekend. And she came up to me, and she said, I know y'all won't be here, but hey, if you wanted to travel back, we're having a get-together. That's hospitality, and it's just love. And people are, God made us to be social beings. And if we don't fulfill that social need with each other, and you don't find love among the brethren, and people don't, they'll go look for it somewhere else. They'll, they'll, they'll seek it out, they'll find it, and they'll, and they'll go look somewhere else. And so the reason we need to is in the last days is so that the world can see something different. They can see something different. And so, um, so look, then look on down. So he says, um, verse 10, let's read verse 10 again. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, okay, serving one another, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth. Why? That God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. He says, that's why we're doing this. This glorifies God. We're most like Christ when we're, when we're serving others. And so 
So now, so let me just, now let me just read some scriptures just to show you what that looks like. I mean, who better to show us how to express love uh, than Christ? So um, I'm just going to read these. Matthew 20, 28, this is talking about Christ. It says, even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. He didn't come so, so uh, he could be ministered to. He came to minister. And we're not here in church for us just to, you know, soak it in. We're here also to minister to others. And Luke 10, 36 through 37 says, Which now of these three, thinkest thou, was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, and, uh, and he said, he, the good Samaritan, that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, go and do thou likewise. He said, you go and be a neighbor. You do just like that good Samaritan did. Luke 22, 27 says, for whether is greater, he that sitteth at meat or he that serveth. Is not he that sitteth at meat, but I am among you as he that serveth. He said, now you may think somebody who gets to sit in a high seat is important. And Jesus said, Nope, I, 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 came, I came to minister. And so if you want to be like me, you're going to minister. You're going to serve others. You're going to put others first. John 13, 4 through 5, and then verse 14. He rises from supper. Now, you know this. You know what, I can just say it right there, and you know what's going to happen, don't you? What Christ is going to do. He rises from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poureth water in a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. And then he says in verse 14, If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye ought also to wash one another's feet. John 21, 16 says, He saith to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? We're talking about love at last. Lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. Galatians 6, 2. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. And Galatians six ten again. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. You know, when, uh, when I was in Bible college, I just, to me it was just the perfect example of uh, Christian hospitality. But um, the, our um, missions director, uh, Brother Keith Hainline, uh, he and his family were missionaries uh, in Kenya for 15 years. But uh, his wife, Karen, her maiden name is Kraus, and I went to Bible college with Karen when, when we were in Bible college together. And so uh, she's from Kansas, and one uh, weekend she asked me and a couple other gals to go, uh, to go home with her to visit her family in Kansas. And so, um, so we went, and uh, the, her dad farms about 1,200 acres. I mean, it's like a real farm. I mean, it was, it was like a... It was, it was a dream world. I will never forget it because we went to their home. It's just, I mean, it was a simple little old farmhouse. There was nothing spectacular about the house. And um, they had a basement. And, of course, Kansas, you know, Dorothy and Toto need a basement. And <laughs> so they had a basement, and the girls' room was downstairs in the basement. We stayed down there. And about 8 o'clock, so we got there on Friday night, and 8 o'clock Saturday morning, we hear, Karen, Karen, time for breakfast. You know, of course, I'm a college student. I'm like, are you kidding me? I want to sleep. But we go upstairs, and we went upstairs. Um, there was pancakes and bacon and everything all on the table, and we all sat there. And uh, about that time, her dad and her brother are coming in from milking the cows. I mean, it was like, you know, like real farm stuff, you know, and got their galoshes on, and they sit down, and, uh, and so her dad had huge hands, and, you know, we all hold hands, and he said, Russell, it's your turn. Of course, Russell, it's your turn. And so Russell reaches over, and on, the, and on their table, they had like a little box where they had all the missionaries' names, 
And so each day they would take a missionary name, and so it was Russell's turn to read the missionary name that day, and we prayed for the missionary, and we ate, and then we went out, we went to the milk house, we climbed in the silo, we played on the hay, her dad took us in the front bucket of the tractor and dumped us out. I mean, it was just, it was like a dream world. We went to church, and so, I mean, it was amazing. And, and all, all of the Krause's kids ended up serving in missions and in their churches, every one of them. And uh, so when we went to church, her, her dad was a song leader, big, booming voice, just a farmer, but he was a song leader. And he, and he led singing at that church for 58 years until he died, 58 years, just involved in church. But what was unique was that wasn't like a special weekend where they planned a bunch of big fun stuff. That was just life for them, and we were just doing life with them, and they did and they did that with people all the time. We just had a ministry refresher institute, and we had a ladies session, and our theme this year was uh, keep the plow in the ground. So Miss Gaddis. Uh, the pastor South, Brother Gaddis, he's pastor Southwest, president of the college. She said, man, I'd love to have Mrs. Krause, Jesse Krause, the mom. Uh, Brother Krause has passed away. Uh, I said, man, that'd be awesome. I'd interview her. And I love to pick on her. But we had Miss Krause come in, and that was their norm. And so I asked Miss Krause this question. Uh, I said, how is it that you you know, that all of your kids turned out serving the Lord in missions, every one of them, and grandkids, by the way, every one of their grandkids. Oh, by the way, I didn't think about this. Josh Hainline is Mrs. Krause's grandson. Every one of them serving, and I mean serving. I mean, I asked Mrs. Krause, how does that happen? And so Karen was there, and she said, can, can I answer that? And I said, sure. And she said, she said, my parents had missionaries stay with us all the time all the time. We always invited them to supper. We always, any time we could get a missionary, my folks would invite them. And the Krauses, they didn't do anything spectacular, nothing fantastic. They just lived their life and let, let you be a part of it. I, I can tell you numerous preachers that, that would tell you the same thing about the Krauses. And they just, you know what they did? They just showed hospitality one to another in these last days, and it affected their kids to the point that their kids and their grandkids all are expressing the love of Christ to the world. Uh, Josh's brother, Chad Hainline, he's going to be a missionary. Josh will be. Kenny Hainline's serving uh, up in Minnesota right now. All of them. And so I'm just saying, there's a reason that God did that, that God asked us to do that. And it's so that the world would know about him and he'd be glorified. There is no way, there is no way we can be a picture of Christ as a church body without love. There's no way. And so it ought to be, even if it's out of your comfort zone, you don't have to be any different than you are. The Krauses were just the Krauses. The, and, I mean, and they are. And she, Mrs. Krause, man, you can pick on her, make fun of her. This is who she was. You know, Brother Krause, that's who he was. It was awesome. But you knew he loved, you knew she loved, and you knew they loved the Lord. As a matter of fact, the, the one thing we asked her, we said, Mrs. Krause, how did you handle like when, you know, when hail would come through with you when he had a wheat crop and it was due? I remember their son telling me about that. And it was due. And this is what she said. She said, well, you know, the Lord always took care of us and we were always able to make our faith promise. I wasn't asking her about faith promise. That's the first thing she said. The Lord always took care of us and we were able to make our faith promise. It was real, the love for her family, the love for her church, the love for, love for fellow ministers, and the love for the world. When it starts in here, it just, you know, it's kind of it's like this. If we would do this for a silly illustration, it sh we should be like, I've never seen it, but I understand that, you know that old movie, The Blob? 
Okay, so here's what the blob is. It's this little puddle of something. And eventually it just kind of keeps oozing everywhere it goes and it overtakes everything, the whole town, the whole city. That's what our love ought to be like. It ought to start in here, and where it just kind of oozes out these doors. And it goes all the way into Covington, and it goes to Atlanta, and it goes all over the world. And that's, that's what Christ said to do. And so what would happen, think about it, if we began to exercise hospitality at church and at home in an effort to carry out the mandate, it's a mandate for the last days. Oh, hey, I forgot, I'm talking about the church, but what about home? Love at home. It is Father's Day, you know. (laughs) Think about it. Sometimes those are the ones we struggle the most because we take advantage, we take them for granted expressing love. I mean, if, if, you're, if you have a Christian family, that's love among the brethren. And sometimes you can get heated and testy with family, can't we? Like, but love among the brethren. That's what he says to do. When we, listen to these quotes, when we love through hospitality, we have nothing to lose. I mean, you know, it, it doesn't cost you anything, really. A candle loses nothing of its light by lighting another candle. Think about that. I mean, we want to pass that on. You put this, like this candle be like, oh, I don't know. If I give you part of my flame, I'm going to go out. No, you're not. No, you're not. A candle doesn't do it. It just spreads. It just spreads that light. And when we do that, we experience what someone well said. It is one of the most beautiful compensations of life that no man can sincerely try to help another without helping himself. And when God gave us this commandment to love one another, that's just good for us. you got to know that when you, you know how it is, when you really do reach out and express like, oh, reach out, reach out and touch someone. Okay, when you do that, you, it makes you feel good. God just made us that way. So let me read you a little, a little poem by Helen Steiner Rice. She said, the more you give, the more you get. The more you laugh the less you fret. The more you do unselfishly, the more you live abundantly. The more of everything you share, the more you'll always have despair. The more you love, the more you find that life is good and friends are kind. For only what we give away enriches us from day to day. So let's, in these last days, love at last. At least she didn't have it threaded up through her blouse and, you know. (laughs) Uh, I feel guilty after that in a good way. You know, I I read a book these last couple weeks, Billy and I were trying to read together on just changing by 1% a day. It doesn't seem like it would be much in our scheme of thinking, in the big scheme of thinking, but if we do just one thing different or 1% different, making a decision to do something in the right way, then in the long run, by the end of the year, it would be 33% better, if I have my math correctly. And then if you think longevity, 25 more years, let's say we live 25, 30 more years, you do the math, or someone else who's a mathematician do the math, think of how much more improvement. I'm not talking about self-help here. I'm talking about hospitality in the way that we exemplify Christ. The other thing that resonated with me is how well that went with our theme, experiencing God in our hearts and in our homes. I think sometimes we are not hospitable because we believe what we believe about ourselves and where we get that from is what we believe about God. And what we get that from is either our lack of spending time with him or our spending time with him. So let's bow our heads.
And let's think through some things maybe in your own life. As I look across the auditorium, bow your heads if you don't mind with me and think to yourself, don't, I don't want you to raise your hand. I don't want you to look around. I don't want you to nudge somebody. But I want you to think is about your own life and maybe the people around you, how you've affected them or infected them or influenced them in this particular area of hospitality. You know, it's daunting to me to think about the lady that has to have her spoons and plates and cups and food just right. I can't, I can't measure up to that. So in my mind, I don't process hospitality that way. I process it through biblical thinking like Mrs. Copes just preached about, and I align it with what would the Lord want me to do to be hospitable to someone else, and in what does that look like? So don't just think hospitality, having people over for dinner. Think big picture, what does that look like in my heart and how the Lord works in my heart and how does then does that reflect in my home? And she hit it exactly right on respecting the men in our home and treating them. Try to do one thing different that honors and respects him today and maybe every week for the rest of your life. But think of... Let's start by let's not roll our eyes at them. Let's start by not sassing them or being sarcastic. Think of the one thing that you could do today on this special day um, that you could continue the rest of your life and then follow that through with the rest of what she spoke about this morning. And you make the decision. I don't want you to leave here without being a doer of the word can't just be a hearer. Think in your own heart. And I'm going to give you just a few seconds to pray. Ask the Lord to help you to do something different today. Lord, I thank you for what you've done in my heart this morning. I thank you for Mrs. Copes, following your leadership. And Lord, I do think that we will be effective as ladies here at Canaan Baptist Church and in our homes and here at church. Lord, that just affects our community by just following the simple truth of being hospitable the way you are. And Lord, I'm asking that this would be Resonated, resonate in our hearts and minds that we would go out of here doing something different and making a choice to be different for you. Lord, we love you. In your name I pray, amen.